Do you have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. I bet you like to read a lot, too. Print is dead. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. We're ready. What's going on, Ghost Heads? Welcome to episode 3 of Print is Dead, a Ghostbusters podcast. I am your ghost host with the most, Mr. Ecto Crank. Much love to everyone who tuned in last month for episode 2, and a special shout out to Oz, aka Ecto1GB, for coming on and talking about his awesome Ecto1 build. You know, I cannot wait to see this thing finish, but even more than that, I cannot wait to get out there and see that car in person. So much love for Oz for taking time out of his busy schedule. Man's building an Ecto1, and he's a teacher. I'm married to a teacher, so I know how much time that takes out of a person's life. So to be building an Ecto1 on top of that, he's also got a family, he's, he's a husband, he's a father, like props to that dude. He is working night and day, making the world a better place on, on so many different levels. Shouts to Oz, really appreciate coming on. If you haven't heard episode two yet, it's available to stream now, absolutely free alongside episode so one feature from my man Rich Crypt. You can check those both out wherever you get your podcasts from. And I hope everybody had a good Halloween. It's officially November. It's officially that time of year. I'm gonna let Vigo take it away on this one. Now is the season of evil. I love that clip. It's so so cool. But before we jump into our whole season of evil, I just want to say this past month on social media has been so awesome. Now that's not something you'd normally hear somebody say, but it's just been so positive. Now I know in the last episode. I made it abundantly clear, and I stand by this, that Ghostbusters is not a Halloween movie. There can be no doubt that the themes in Ghostbusters fit perfectly into Halloween, and it's just amazing to see every October so many people come out to celebrate Ghostbusters. Just jump on social media, I'm telling you, jump on Instagram right now, just tap Ghostbusters into the hashtag search and just scroll through, I guarantee you, you'll walk away from it smiling. There's just so much creativity on show, so many kids, so many families dressing up as Ghostbusters, building proton packs, we've got mums, we've got dads, we've got brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, grandparents, we've got pets, there was an awesome picture I saw the other day, and there was a whole line of dogs, and it was like, one was dressed as Dana, one was dressed as Tully, one was Slimer, Stay Puft Ghostbusters, there's whole family photos where the kids are ghosts, the parents are Ghostbusters, like, it's just so good to see. Like, there's just so much positivity surrounding Ghostbusters over the Halloween season. I really wish that Ghost Core as a whole would just really lean into that. I know they don't want Ghostbusters to be solely associated with Halloween, but the buzz and the excitement that surrounds Ghostbusters over the Halloween season just makes me wish that as a whole, Ghostbusters and Sony, whatever, would just lean into it a little more because there's so much positivity around. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, take half an hour. Just jump on a social media, hashtag search Ghostbusters, and just smile at all the creativity. And that's not even to talk about all of the artists doing like the Ectober or that whatever Tober hashtags they are. So much great art is created in October, dedicated to Ghostbusters as well. It's just a really, really good month for the franchise. And the community as a whole have added so many more people to the community because people jump in like, oh, maybe I'll be a Ghostbuster for Halloween this year. I kind of like that movie. And I've already spoken to loads of people like, I didn't know this community existed. Like, this is awesome. And now these people are full-blown members of the Ghostbusters community. Like, Halloween, the whole of October, is so much fun. It does so much good for Ghostbusters. And it's just been a really, really positive experience. So if you've contributed in any way, shape, or form, if you've enjoyed this in any way, shape, or form, thank you for making October truly awesome. Coming up on this month's episode, you know I'm talking community happenings, you know I got you some merch news, and later on I am sitting down 
with my friend, writer, actor and Ghostbuster, Mr. James Ducker, better known in the Ghostbusters community as one of the stars of the stage show Ministers of Grace. This is, of course, based on the book of the same name, Ministers of Grace, the unauthorised Shakespearean parody of Ghostbusters, written by writer and artist, the phenomenally talented Jordan Monsell. If you haven't already, check that book out. It's very, very funny. And it's got a foreword from Dan Aykroyd. For co-signed by Dan and Man, Ray Stans, what more do you need? I'm going to be talking all things Ghostbusters with James, including the hows, what's, where's, when's, and most importantly, why he decided to take Jordan's book and turn it into a stage show. It's a really good interview. Stick around for that later on in the show. This is Jennifer Runyon, and you're listening to Print is Dead. Now let's jump into some community news. First things first, I need to say a huge, huge, huge congrats to Pablo Lara, the artist and writer of Call the Ghostbusters, a brand new Ghostbusters fan comic. I have been speaking to Pablo for years about this thing. He and I teamed up a couple years back and released a, a collab sticker for the 35th anniversary, and we've just been back and forth for years. He's such a nice guy, so friendly, just loves Ghostbusters, just wants to do the franchise justice, he just wants to do the characters justice. I've never seen a fan come from such a a pure place he just wants to give something to the community he just wants to give something back to ghostbusters it's given him so much and call the ghostbusters is his love letter to the franchise to its creators and to the fans check this out spring 1985 five months after saving the world from goza to gozerian new york city continues to have paranormal problems of all kinds so who do they call the ghostbusters that's who after another tiring day of ghost riddle work the boys in gray head back to hq for a night of relaxation however things are about to get hot when an old flame of beaters barges back into his life and she's not alone get ready to believe again Get ready to call the Ghostbusters. How cool is that? I know that synopsis got you psyched. And the best thing about this comic is you can read it. You can download it absolutely free. There's no Patreon subscription. There's no Kickstarter. There's no paywall whatsoever. This thing is completely free. And I am honored to say that you can download this from my website right now. Jump over to crankcave.com forward slash call the GBs and grab issue one of Call the Ghostbusters absolutely free. Huge congrats to Pablo and everybody involved in issue one. When you read this comic, make sure you check out the dedications page. There are so many talented artists and creators behind this thing. It's really a fan project and it's amazing. The art's really good, the story's really good. Everything about it is very, very cool. It could sit in easily with the IDW Ghostbusters line. I know they take heavy inspiration from that, but it's, it's its own thing as much as it is a dedication for that, and it could sit right along the side of those. It's up there with the Rich Crip comic book. We've got two, we've got two fan comics you can get your hands on right now, two Ghostbusters fan comics to continue the story of the movie that we love. Check them out right now. Call the Ghostbusters, issue one, available. Crankcave.com forward slash call the GBs, absolutely free. And as if two Ghostbusters comics wasn't enough fan content for you, man, it's a good time to be a Ghostbusters fan right now, as just the other day we got a first look at Attack on Florence, a Ghostbusters story. This is a new and upcoming Italian fan film. Man, when you say Ghostbusters is international, it ain't just a tagline, Ghostbusters is international. There is stuff going on in this franchise all over the world. You can watch the debut trailer for Attack on Florence right now on YouTube. Just search Attack on Florence, a Ghostbusters story. And for further information, new trailers and release information, check out GB Salt on Florence with underscores between each word over on Instagram. It's really, really cool. Definitely check this one out. We need to support each and every Ghostbusters fan project that comes out, especially 
international ones. It's cool to see what's going on in America. It's cool to see what's going on in the UK. But I want to see what Ghostbusters do all over the world. And there's so much history and like the occult and in ghosts and history and stuff like that for each different country that we need to do that thing. Ghostbusters International isn't just a name. Ghostbusters International isn't just a comic book. I want to see every single country who has a Ghostbusters franchise doing something and promoting their country, promoting their history, promoting their heritage, because it's just going to make for some fascinating stories and some really awesome Ghostbusters content. So check that one out. Attack on Florence, a Ghostbusters story. Trailer is available now. Keeping with that international flavor, we're heading over to Barcelona, Spain, where the fine folks of Ecto-1 Catalonia will be showing off their gorgeous, seriously, check this thing out online, their gorgeous afterlife-inspired Ecto-1 at the American Motors of St. Bernat on Sunday, November 6th. This thing's running from 9 to 5, and from what I could find out online, it appears to be free. But if you need more information, you want to know what's going on with this thing, check out Ecto-1Cat on Instagram. They'll give you all the details, all the info, and you can check out some photos of their gorgeous Ecto-1. Heading over to the USA, it's time to celebrate. The Ghostbusters of LA are currently gearing up for their franchise's one-year anniversary. Happy early anniversary, guys. That's awesome. I love Ghostbusters of LA. Their branding, their logo is so on point. I've said this online before. I think the Ghostbusters of LA logo is my all-time favorite franchise logo that I've seen. It's so good. I love everything about it. Their branding is on point. Anyway, they'll be throwing a bash at the Scum and Villainy Cantina on Sunday, November 13th from 7 p.m. If you've not seen this place, it is awesome. I only know it from Kevin Smith's show. I can't even think what it's called now. But whatever show that is, Kevin Smith hosts it inside Scum and Villainy, and it's such a cool place. I mean, it is, as you would expect, it's the cantina from Star Wars. And it just looks so cool, and I've always thought, man, it'd be great to hold an event there. And obviously, the Ghostbusters of LA thought, we're going to be throwing a one-year anniversary. What cooler place to do it than that? So definitely check them out from 7 p.m. on November 13th. They're going to be hosting raffles, taking pictures. You'll be able to wet your whistle with a selection of themed cocktails as well. Ghostbusters themed cocktails are always the best. I assume there's going to be some Star Wars cocktails up in there as well. All proceeds from the night will be donated to the Starlight Children's Foundation. So they're celebrating. They're going to be offering drinks, photos, raffles, and they're going to be doing some good for a local children's hospital foundation. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Love to these guys. Congrats on your one-year anniversary. Find out all the information about this upcoming event. Just search LA Ghostbusters on social media. Now, last but by no means least, tickets for the Moogly Fan Club's annual raffle are still available, but these things are selling fast. Don't sleep on this one. It features over 200 collectibles. A raffle featuring over 200 Ghostbusters items. We're talking pins, patches, challenge coins, stickers, cards, you name it, it's probably in there. I'm also proud to say that the Crank Cave donated a fistful of merch for that very giveaway. Our tickets are $5 or 3 for 10 with all the proceeds going to the Ronald McDonald House Foundation. And this is a big undertaking. Props to Eric for putting this thing on. It's a big undertaking, getting all this merch in from all over the world, doing all of this completely off his own back and giving every single penny to charity. That's amazing. Don't sleep on this one. Tickets are going to be available until November 10th with a live prize draw taking place on Facebook on November 11th. See the Moogly Fan Club on Facebook or that Eric Feller 57 on Instagram for information on buying tickets and to get a look at this huge haul of Ghostbuster stuff he has given away. Don't sleep on this one. You can miss this, miss out. This is Tim Laddie, half artist, half amazing, and you are listening to Prince is Dead Podcast with my boy Ecto Crank. Jumping into some merch news right now, and as always, I am focusing on merch available in the United Kingdom, but just assume that if this is available here, unless I say otherwise, this merch is available worldwide, although prices will differ. 
Alternative and Pop Culture website EMP are currently offering 20% off a Ghostbusters hoodie. And it features the really cool green slime logo on the chest and back with the Ghostbusters name logo on both sleeves. I love that slime logo. That's probably my favorite version that Sony have produced the Ghostbusters logo. It's so cool. This thing is currently priced at $43.99 down from £56. And this is an exclusive to EMP. I had a look around. You can't find this hoodie anywhere else. So this is the only place you're going to get it. And $43.99 is the cheapest available. It's also worth noting this thing is already sold out once. So if you dig the design, I wouldn't sleep on this one. Also on EMP, for all you Funko fans out there, they're offering a lucky pop figure for just $5.99. And if for some weird reason, you need to get help if you do, but if for some weird reason you are feeling festive right now, they are offering 20% off a pretty cool red, black and white Ghostbusters themed Christmas jumper. So it's 20% off a hoodie, something like 50 odd percent off a Funko Pop and 20% off a Christmas jumper. All available at emp.co.uk. Keeping with the Afterlife Funko Pop vibe, Funko Europe is offering 42% off their podcast figure, reducing it from £12 down to 7 they also have a website exclusive mini puff he's holding. It's like a barbell, but it's a, like marshmallow weights, currently priced at £10. But that's three Afterlife Pops, all reduced. And I know this community loves themselves some Afterlife Funko Pops. You can pick up all three currently, two from Funko Europe and one from EMP. It's going to cost you less than 25 quid for three Funko Pops, all Afterlife related. So trap yourself a podcast figure and a mini puff with weights, exclusive FunkoEurope.com. Now, on the last episode, I talked about bargainmax.co.uk and their crazy deals on Hasbro, Ghostbusters, like toy props. Like the Ghost Whistle was $6.99. All this stuff is still reduced. But one thing has been reduced even further. Their Hasbro Proton Pack has gone from $24.99. Then it went down to 15 quid. It's currently $7.99. That's the Hasbro Kenner-inspired blue Proton Pack for kids. 7.99 that's insane now i can't remember who it was but i saw a post recently and someone had done a couple of movie accurate conversions of those packs for his kids and they looked amazing like they looked really really cool and just like i said on the last episode and now having seen someone do the conversion like you could get that you could just hang that on the wall and that is just a cool ghostbusters proton pack that you can hang on the wall like it's 7.99 as well if you've got kids if christmas is coming up and you want to get your kids they're ghostbusters fans and they want proton packs Get them a proton pack, $7.99, bargainmax.co.uk. Now heading to the other end of the pricing scale, I saw a lot of people talking about this recently. The five-foot Ghostbusters floor lamp recently featured on Ghostbusters News is actually available in the UK. Normally something this obscure would only be available to the US and Canada, but you can get this one in the UK from the Bradford Exchange. This thing features color-changing illumination and showcases 11 scenes and graphics from the original 1984 movie. It's got a four-sided design and stands atop a wooden base and can be yours for, I hope you're sitting down, 185 pounds. Although you can spread the cost over five payments to make it more affordable. But this one is definitely for the, it's a real collector's piece. It's definitely for one of those Ghostbusters fans who likes the finer things and likes to spend a little bit more. It is a really cool lamp. Check out Ghostbusters News. He's done a very cool review of it. It looks awesome. And it'd be perfect for your Ghostbusters room or your man cave or whatever it is you've got where you keep all your stuff. Like that lamp in the corner is going to be a talking point. It looks very cool. 185 from bradford.co.uk, but you can split the price in five to take the sting out of that admittedly high price. But it is very cool. Check it out right now over on Ghostbusters News. They do a really cool review. Or check the product out, bradford.co.uk. 
Heading over to Xavi, right now they're running a buy one, get one free on their Hasbro Glow-in-the-Dark Plasma Series figures. Priced at $17.99 means you can get two Glow-in-the-Dark Ghostbusters figures for less than £18. They're also offering £5 off and free delivery for the Ghost Trap Incense Burner, which is awesome, by the way. I love my incense burner. It's so cool. It's a lot smaller than a traditional trap. It's just on the side, burning the incense. It looks like a trap smoking. And it smells good, too. Like, it's very, very cool. So you get £5 off and free delivery using the code GIFTFD. And of course, don't forget, you can get up to 20% off all Ghostbusters merch and everything else at Zavi with my code ECTOCRANK. Code does not apply to pre-orders or already discounted items. And lastly, on my merch roundup, heading over to my store, The Crank Cave. For the whole of November, I am offering 20% off all Cleaning Up the Town Remembering Ghostbusters merchandise. If you dig this documentary and you want to support it and grab yourself some merch, we've got everything from patches to key rings to stickers, the awesome mood box that features a travel bottle, a notepad and pen. We've got the Blu-rays, we've got the soundtracks. Everything's available, 20% off with every single penny going towards the eagerly anticipated sequel, Too Hard to Handle Remembering Ghostbusters 2, of which I am honoured to say I am one of the producers. Everything in store is already discounted, so no code needed. You can just jump on thecrankcave.etsy.com and trap yourself a bargain. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking all things Ghostbusters with James Ducker, a.k.a. one of the Ministers of Grace. Hello, Ghostbusters, please hold. Ghostbusters, please hold. This is Laura Summer, Janine Melnitz, and you're listening to the Print is Dead podcast. Right now, I am sitting here with actor, writer, Ghostbuster, and a good friend of mine, Mr. James Ducker, better known to the Ghostbuster community as one of the Ministers of Grace. How's it going, sir? Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming on. Really good to sit oh, down. Pleasure. And, I mean, you and I talk all the time anyway, but it's <laughs> nice to do it in an official capacity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. We've, um, since, since 20... 18 we've just it started official and it's kind of long gone full circle hasn't it yeah the first time we met was at one of the minister's shows but we'd sort of gone back and forth online before that yeah and um i think actually it was the first time i, I met you in person was colchester was that Comic before Con, because i had i brought you your pin oh yeah was that the before minister. the show that was, that was before the show that was the pro to do the promo stuff okay. so yeah that would have been yeah, because you, you let me wear your pack. You're, Hi, I'm a random guy. That was the yeah. air. <laughs> that Colchester event, yeah. That venue is where I'm looking to hold ExoCon 2. Ah. That'll mean nothing to anybody listening, but, but you know, a, you know the venue. It's a good space. It's a good space. It's a yeah, good yeah. space for it. A lot of outside. Well, we can get some Ectos not too far from the town. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where I'm looking to hold it. And different different rooms as well, yeah. which would be great. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. A cracking space. Yeah. Now, that, was, that was a fun little con, that one. It was good. It was good. I've no, <laughs> not done one since there which is a shame. They they did that one and then they never returned. Never returned. So that venue is well overdue. Oh, God, yeah. I can't tell you listening what yeah. that venue is called because I can't, I can't release the name until I've got it confirmed that it's actually going to be the venue for ExoCon. But that one you've been inside, that's the one I'm in. That's the for. one. That's the one I'm in talks with right now. I'm going to kick this one off the same way I kick all of these interviews off and that is what is your first earliest memory of Ghostbusters? Oh, earliest memory, it has to be the Scoleri brothers, Ghostbusters 2. The first time I remember being frightened by a film and yeah, walked in the, walked in the room and the Scoleri brothers were on screen, both eyes beaming, just those light bulbs for eyes as they had. It's a terrifying moment. Yeah. As I, God, I can't have been more than seven or eight when I saw that. Obviously, we had older brothers, so Ghostbusters, real Ghostbusters was on all the yeah. time. 
but that was the first time I remember it. I think I've been watching it for God knows how, but haven't actually put anything together. That makes sense. Yeah, oh, yeah. this is fun. Bright colours. These guys are funny. What's Love this it. all from? Yeah. And then the actual kind of earliest memory I've got is Ghostbusters 2. Why do you think that that's the thing that resonated? Why Now, what, 30 years later, why still Ghostbusters? As we, I mean, we're sitting in your house right now, surrounded by Ghostbusters stuff. <laughs> why, why is it stuck with you? I think it's just as every time I watch it, I see something new. So I'm a actor. So I've, as I get older, it was watching the different nuances of the yes, performances, yeah, yeah. the appreciation of how Ramus during the first film, actually watching the subtleties of what he's doing right yeah. on the edge of frame, especially when you look at like the VHS copy, the original VHS of Ghostbusters, and when it was on TV wasn't in widescreen yes yeah yeah then so much you didn't see exactly suddenly you get it full aspect ratio and suddenly you're seeing Hal Ramis doing some incredible background acting and Dan Aykroyd the little faces he pulls throughout the film and so growing old so it's, it's basically a progression thing watching it as a kid you're going this is actually quite terrifying was that actually Sigourney Weaver's boob? And all these things, <laughs> and all, all these little things you're kind of noticing. And as you get older, you get sit there and go, yes, it was, but they edited it out. And you then build and build and build. And as an actor, watching kind of the subtleties of the performance and the fact that you know that these are all guys who come from an imp- improvisation background. Yes, yeah, and yeah. And the fact that there's no set script. I've got a copy of the original, like the third draft of the script, as you can buy for... Uh, it's light on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally just showing the way. <laughs> Amazing. I'd not, I'd not thought of it as, as yeah. I suppose being an actor coming at it from that perspective, you must look at it in a way that non-actors don't. It's, it is weird because you know when you, because I've had to look at it in different ways as an actor, as a just an actor watching the performance and going, yeah, this is actually Bill Murray's little ad libs. They're great. Actually, the the ho- <laughs> the hotel, the guy at the hotel. Oh my word! He's actually having the hardest job in the world because yeah. he's sticking to the script. You imagine, and you're watching this, but actually doing the show when we did the show, which I'm sure we'll come on to at mm, some yeah, point. Yeah, definitely. But um, doing Ministers of Grace, you then watch it in a completely different context. You're now actually picking up on the character, so of you're course, then actually yeah. going for the character subtleties rather than just. What's what's so good about what Bill Murray's doing? What is so good about what Ernie Hudson's doing? Why is <clears throat> why does he work as the everyman? Why is yeah. he the New Yorker? Why and why why is why is Egon such an endearing character later on in life? Because you know when you're a kid, Egon by far and away is the best character of the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's my opinion. Obviously, some people might disagree, but you're wrong. And he was, and I think that I think the show very much lent that way as well. That he was the leader, and he was the he was the key the key character. That's the reason why in Extreme Ghostbusters he was the one. He's that, the actual leader, yeah. He's the actual leader of it, and you you go back, and all of it is his. It's him and him and Ray's handiwork. If you go back on it, it's just, but it's it's Egon. It's all Egon. The building of it, the the ideas is all right. But yeah, that's where it all came from. It's just, I loved it to start off with because it was, it made me laugh. It made me, it was scared. I was scared. It was uh, dramatic at certain points. I loved practical effects, but I also loved the, the mix of the CGI for the time. I just loved how they did all of that. And so, you know, my, my wife's favorite film is The Labyrinth, but that's got a very similar sort of aesthetic to I've it. I've never seen The Labyrinth. Oh. My Never friend, seen it. My friend, if you, uh, uh, Jim Henson fan, yeah, yeah, massive, Hell, massive yeah. yeah. Just make it grungy. 
Okay. And you've got the Labyrinth as a starting point. Then you've got David Bowie, a young Jennifer Connelly, and it just goes from there. It's just magic. It's just one of those. It's one. I think you and I have talked about this before. I've got a list of big movies <laughs> that I've just never seen. Like Indiana Jones is one I've never seen. And there are a few like that. And people go, oh, I remember the scene in Labyrinth. I've never seen it. Oh, that's a like Indiana Jones reference. Don't get it. No, don't understand it. I was in my 30s before I saw Star Wars and Terminator. That's fair enough. My wife's never seen Terminator. We met Robert Patrick, who was the T-1000, and it meant nothing to her. It means something to her now because he was um, Peacemaker's dad. So it means a bit more to her now, but he wasn't at the time. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how someone can be a, the, the entire world to one person and just a regular guy for another? And I'm going to throw myself right in the deep end and tell you a story from an MCM Comic-Con a few years ago. When I met, that's where I met Tara Strong. Yeah. Yeah, and that embarrassing photo of me... I'm not going to go into that, but yeah. And the embarrassing photo of me putting my hand where it shouldn't have gone completely by accident. But there we go. She was a good sport about it. And she followed me on Instagram the other day. So it can't, it can't, it can't be too, it can't be that bad. It can't, it can't be that bad. She can't hate it too much. So it was all right. But we were waiting for, we're waiting to get our photo from that. And you go around, whenever you got anyone, there's conventions, you go around the back and you have to wait for your photo to be printed. And you got the table, they're putting down the prints. Then there's staff behind, and they've all got various like T-shirts of you know Captain America, Batman, whatever. And an old guy comes down, and he's got a Mario T-shirt on, and I thought he was one of the staff. And I went, "Huh, nice Mario T-shirt." He went, "Thank you," and sort of laughed. And he went, walked around the corner. And I was like, "I hope." He, and I'm thinking, "I'm like, I hope he fixes the printer." And like later on, I go back and I'm looking on the hashtags for MCM. And like, oh, who, who did people meet? And were any photos of me? It's like, why are people with that printer repair man <laughs> getting a photo? Like, oh, that's the voice of Mario. Okay, I thought the guy who voiced Mario was a printer repair man. I mean, it's not too far from a plumber. He was um, just a regular guy to me. And, being like, and I told my friend, who's like big Nintendo guy, he's like, you're, you're an idiot. That's, that's the joy of, of those of those of big cons as well. Because if you don't know who they are, you're just walking past yeah, just yeah. someone. Just a, he, was just a, he was just an older gentleman who was hanging around the printers. Yeah. It was um, London Film at Comic Con. We went to earlier this year. And we were stood in the room waiting for... It was uh, William Bryan, wasn't it? Yeah. And we were waiting for the picture for him. But there'd been a delay. So we were just stood awkwardly in a room to start off with we were stood with the arrow trio yeah so we had Stephen amell yeah Stephen amell and the other members of arrow no i I don't watched it and then somebody else walked in and we spent ages trying to work out who it was who who is she who is that we know who who she is she looks great who is she oh hang on it's the girl from the original jurassic park (laughs) suddenly just going i should have bought a picture with her (laughs) yeah should have known it should have known who she was if she stood six feet away from us we 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 were right at the front weren't we that was a moment yeah so getting so getting back on topic you are as you alluded to and as i alluded to an actor by trade did Ghostbusters have any impact on you wanting to become an actor? Was it a case of watching the movies and like, I want to, do, I want to be a Ghostbuster, and then when you get a little bit older, no, I want to, I want to be an actor. Yeah, I, I grew up dreaming of being a Ghostbuster, but um, obviously up until I was about fifteen, my interests were actor and football, and I was wanting to do the football thing a bit more. Then I realised at the age of fifteen, I probably wasn't going to make it at that point. Might so not I happen. Fo- it might not happen. <laughs> so I, I kind of steered myself towards towards the acting thing. And yeah, my style's always been, always trying to be, <laughs> my style's probably more Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Because Blues Brothers was one of my favourite films growing up. Oh, classic. And I would watch anything with him in it. So I would watch, and I my style was a lot more to him 
but I would still try to do the punchline. So there's that underlying kind of Saturday Night Live, Bill Murray kind yeah. of thing going on there, but I was nowhere near as subtle. Aykroyd substance with Murray style. Yeah, yeah, Murray style, everything. So they they had an underlying influence of it, but the weirdest thing was, and a friend of mine asked me this recently, is when, we, when I went to high school, when I was really getting into the acting side of things, he said, I never heard you mention Ghostbusters once at high school. And it's because I went to a high school where if you didn't, if you said you liked anything that wasn't football or anything a bit weird or because it wasn't a great school. Yeah, you grew up in the UK. Yeah, in the, in the 90s and early noughties. If you had any interest that wasn't football or whatever, whatever was popular at the time, yeah. you were outcast, just the weirdo. Yeah. So I kind of kept it locked in, but I had Ghostbusters t-shirts. I still, I pined for the Kenner pack, which, yeah. I now, which I now own at the grand age of 36. But, you know, it's always been there. You know, I've I've watched it, and as I've grown older, I've appreciated because I do, I'm a lot more of a theatre guy than I am a film guy. And I always have been. I've always been better at doing theatre. And uh, so do it doesn't really influence me that much in that respect, Ghostbusters, but the style and who I aspire to be like is like that. And you know, um, who didn't want to be Bill Murray? I always wanted to be Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I loved yeah. Ghostbusters, but I always wanted to be Jim Carrey. It's just something about the goofiness of him, wasn't it? Yeah. Just that he could be just so confident in himself. Yeah, I never had that level of worship for anyone in Ghostbusters. When I speak to people, they're like, oh, yeah, like you say, who didn't want to be Venkman growing up? I was like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of didn't. That's fair enough. I think. Mike, it also comes back to Groundhog Day, mm. one of my favourite films of all time. I didn't see. I think the. I think maybe with a lot of people, it was Ghostbusters. Now let's find out what other movies these actors have done. It was a long time after, if like I, I was a teenager before I saw Groundhog Day. I don't know that I could tell you another Howard Ramis movie I have seen other than Knocked Up. <laughs> you know, he played play Seth Rogen's dad, and, and he's like a school. Uh, like whatever school something in Orange County like I don't think I've watched a Harold Ramis movie outside of Ghostbusters and where he's just random cameos and the same with Bill Murray I've not really seen any Bill Murray movies like I've not seen Caddyshack no I just I, I don't know I think for me personally, I saw them as Ghostbusters and then it had such an impact on my life as a kid that I then didn't want to see them as anything else. Yeah. And now as an adult, like I'll consume anything that that Ernie Hudson is in. I'm going to begrudgingly (laughs) watch The Quantum Leap because he's in it. Yeah. I wouldn't watch it otherwise. But yeah, for a long time, I was like, I don't don't want anything to mess with my... In my mind, Harold Ramis and Egon Spengler are almost the same person. And as a kid, I was like, I don't want to watch anything else that they are in. Get, I get that mentality. Also. But now, like Trading Places is an every year yeah. watch. I love Trading Places. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, Trading Places is is absolutely wonderful, isn't it? For 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 Dan for Dan Aykroyd, and as much as Eddie Murphy. Yeah, just as much as them. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's it's weird because I do that with the supporting cast of Ghostbusters. Okay. Um. God, what were we watching? A scary movie was on the other day, and we just started watching it. Sitting there, how well is this aged? The answer. Spoiler alert, badly. Yeah. But um uh but they had oh god, what was the name of the mayor's assistant, Ghostbusters Two, Hardemeyer. Yeah. Yeah. He's in it. He is, isn't he? Yeah. He's creepy as hell. He is, <laughs> yes, yeah. What do you think of these photos? No. Yeah. No. How about this one? <laughs> but of course he's in he's he's in Wayne's World in a very similar role in yeah. Wayne's World. 
and oh, what that, we spotted him something else recently, and he was a lot older, but we instantly saw him. But that's Hardmeyer. Um, Peter McNichol, obviously, he's more famous Kurt for Fuller. Oh yeah, 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 Kurt Fuller. That's the word. Um, but uh, Peter McNichol, Janosch, Janosch. Just I loved Janosch. Janosch was actually growing up was probably one of my favourite characters because he's just so silly, so out there. Yeah. And my favourite line is where it, where are you from? The Upper West Side. <laughs> oh my words! I mean, that has to be improvised. But he's a really good actor, and I've spoken to him on Twitter. DMs such a nice guy isn't he such like a such nice a nice guy. guy um i feel sad that he doesn't really like to talk about ghostbusters no but he does he he will support people that ask him politely yeah absolutely and he sent he for one of the ectocon raffles he sent us a signed janosch figure like he's very he's very respectful of the fans and very appreciative of the fans but i just yeah. i don't think it's his one of his favorite roles i, I get the feeling peter mcnichol he would much rather be respectful for the the more serious lines of yeah, work yeah, yeah. that he does, but he does appreciate the fact that fans recognize Because even, even amongst his comedic roles, it's probably the most ludicrous. But I will maintain, and I have since childhood, that after the events of Ghostbusters 2, Janosch was put in witness protection, he was sent to LA, and he created a museum, the museum and then worked Mr. with Mr. Bean. <laughs> David from Mr. Bean is Janosch Poha in witness protection, and I he won't hear through, it any other he way. He went through some language classes to yeah. get the accent down to be more respect, to be more true. But art to art, the hair's the same. <laughs> yeah. And what was the difference between the films? Five, six years? Easily done. Easily done. Tell me otherwise. Prove, prove, not, prove me I'm, wrong. I'm not going to dispute that. Prove I'm, me wrong. I'm on board with this theory. I'm, I'm having that. I'm also on board with the theory that Mr. Bean and Ghostbusters exist in the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, right? I'm all over that. Screw all over that. Ninja Turtles. Don't, but I love them. But Give me Mr. Give... Bean in the Ghostbusters universe any day of the week. And I posted, a, years ago, posted a photo because my wife's a massive Mr. Bean fan. So I took one of her Mr. Bean figures and the Diamond Select Janos figure I put them together, I took a photo, and I tweeted the, the suddenly song that they sing in Mr. Bean, and he retweeted that. He dug that. Peter McNichol's like, this is good, I like this. So that's <laughs> confirming, that's confirming it. That confirms that it's all in the same universe. Peter McNichol gives it the sign-off. Let's talk Ministers of Grace. Oh, yeah, Ministers of Grace. So we're going to start the whole thing, obviously, by saying the Shakespearean parody written by the awesome Jordan Monsell. And the logo as well, very cool. Design, designed by him also. Reading that book, yes. what what made you think, okay, I'm going to turn this into a stage show? It was, it was the idea of just simply, could it be staged? So I, a friend of mine pointed that out to me, sent me the link. I ordered it, it arrived two days later. And I read it that night. And I think I, I think my wife was out. She came home and I went, seriously, we could do this. This isn't difficult. Well, it will be difficult, but this this could be done. I want to see if this could be done. So I emailed Jordan that night or the following night. I think I had a one conversation with Haley, and I just then went, "Yeah, sure, fine." Emailed him, and he went, "Well, we've actually did a rehearsed reading, a staged reading of it." So he sent me the video to the stage reading. Okay. And um, and it was interesting to watch because it's 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 just four guys standing, Jordan and three others. And I then looked back and I could see that he'd done previous stuff. He'd done Pulp Fiction, Shakespeare parody. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, which I'd still love to see. And um, yeah, and he, he, he'd done this. And it was kind of, I loved, I loved what he'd done with the language because I could see it when it was him writing and when it was him putting in Shakespeare stuff. Yeah. And I kind of went, I reckon this can be done. 
so I asked him just outright. I went, look, I just want to do this as a rehearsed reading. Like a, a rehearsed reading is where you do you you do actually rehearse it, and you do have props, and you do have a bit of set and lights, but you have the script in your hand. It's like later on the stage of rehearsing. And so we just went, let's go for it. So we did. We ran a few auditions and just said to friends, look, don't. It's 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 unpaid because I've got no money to do it. But we were, we had a good relationship with a, a venue who turned around and said, look, we've got a spot for you to do development. We want to help you develop this show. So they gave us the, the room for a week. They gave us the theatre for a night. So we got to do this. This rehearsed reading, it's really raw. We just pick up, we just got costume we thought looked a little bit Elizabethan, a little bit Shakespearean. And we just started, we, I did a rehearse, I did a reading, I did a reading in the back knowing people is great <laughs> in the back room of a pub um on a hot summer's evening just to hear it through other people now i'm lucky enough that i know some very very talented actors in this area and they and some of them were ghostbusters fans so they came along and they came and watched it uh, came read in and we had and we had so many we had about 20 people so i was just doing rotation it's like okay we'll do a couple of scenes with with these guys at playing you can play egon you can play bateman you can play you can play Winston this scene, you can do this, you can do this. And so we read the whole thing. And there was obviously certain things that we couldn't do because stage... So in the scripts, there is a dance macabre, which is the ghosts seek, the montage of uh, the ghosts yeah. coming back after they open up the containment unit. And it's a dance macabre in the right. book. And we have got so many ideas for how to actually do that if we did it as a full like two-hour stage show. And I don't mean just us putting on like costumes with skeletons on it and just dancing across the stage. <laughs> but um, we we did it. But we we sort of like worked out how could we do this and how could we do that. How does this scene work? How can we? How do we do the opening scene with Bateman for crying out loud? Yeah. And John left out a certain few things. He leaves out um, the library ghost at the start, so he leaves out Alice. And but we've just we've spoken to him about this. I don't know whether he remembers, but um, <laughs> we spoke to him about it. And I think that there's a prologue that could be written there. Alice does a, a speech to the audience. And as the speech goes on, the lights change to purple. That would pink. be cool. And yeah. as she turns, she gets, you see this on, you see the light. Okay. The yeah. No, that's really good. And we want to yeah. do something like that with it. But when we, when we did this rehearsed reading, we sat there and went, this is so ridiculous. It's a parody of a comedy, which is kind of a weird way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like we're doing it seriously. It's, we're now saying every beat of these lines that we know from the film. We're now saying these as uh, Shakespeare. We were kind of wondering what would work better. So after we did this rehearsal reading in 2017, I decided to do to take it to Edinburgh just for a week. Yeah. Just see if it worked. And so I knew we could stage it, and I knew we could probably do, get it down to about 80 minutes. Not a bad runtime. Most things at Edinburgh are about 60 minutes. And, yeah, so I, I one day, it was uh, during Beast from the East. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and come back some. so I'm stuck at home because I can't get out of my house because I'm snowed in. And I'm looking at the Edinburgh website and the early early bird fees, and I just sign it up. And it's, um, I suddenly, after I put in my bank details and press pay. <laughs> now I've got to make this thing. <laughs> now I've got to make this thing. Now I've got to do this. What have I done? And do you know what? I, I, I love... Minister of Grace is probably the best thing I will ever do. Yeah. Aside from marrying my wife. And that is actually interlinked because I proposed to her at the Edinburgh preview. You did, didn't you? Yeah. And on stage uh, at a small theatre in Suffolk, I proposed to her. 
and so the show means to me means the world to me and yeah i didn't care about how 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 do you do slimer how do you do stay puffed how do you do these guys the one thing that has never changed is how we did the library ghost and how we did stay puffed it's really good when you were stay puffed and really good i i love that the stay puffed is probably my favorite little sequence just because we can't see what's going on, but we can hear the audience reaction. Yeah. We're not focused on that. If we ever tour it, it will probably change slightly. But we took a hazmat suit and stuffed it with pillows. And that became the hand of Stay Puft. And it comes wrapping around the backdrop that we had. And one of our cast made a Stay Puft. Who's in the book? He's in the in the play. He's called the Puffed Man of Custard. So good. And he's Such got this written on. He's got the sailor hat, and we produce it, and it got the biggest reaction. It was amazing. I didn't. I didn't know how you were going to do it. I remember sitting there, and like I don't know how they're going to do this, but it better be good. And it was amazing. I'd love that. I think that's brilliant. I mean, I I loved Slimer. Um, Slimer has an incredible speech in it. Mm, yeah. Any Shakespeare fans will know it. Is a bit more. Uh, will know where it comes from. We played it as a Toby Belch, but there's a reference to John Belushi in there, yeah. and it's just it's just great how they did it. It gave Slimer it gave Slimer a moment to shine more so than he already does. It was really good, really well done. And we did that, and it, it was just the technical stuff. We could stage it, no problem, nothing's impossible. But it was the technical stuff that was the biggest thing. Um, we had the actors; they understood the text. Let's let's do this thing. How do we do the proton packs? You've seen the pictures of the original one, which yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sh- I'm happy to to share. They were humongous. They had a big wheel with spokes on the back, and they co- it came down to just below my backside. They were gnarly as anything. They were really cool looking. But to do them to Edinburgh, we had to make them smaller. So who built the packs? So the the original packs were built by a friend of ours called Greg Lindsay Smith, who's a very good. Um, he does he does all sorts. He does metal work. He does paintings. He's he's a very good artist, all round artist. So he made the original ones, but to downsize it. I had I redesigned them, but my my dad, cool bless him, he did the the actual physical work to make it to make it go to bring it down, and um and he happened to be chopping down a tree in the back garden, so he he just chopped down this tree and used the trunk as the, as the main wheel, and and then the crystal thing we changed that. I love the fact that we use crystals for the kind of power source. Yeah, because you need to make it mythical. Now I've seen everyone basically, people got this this idea with ministers that. You know how are you gonna do the, how are you gonna do the proton packs, and I have seen so many people and pe- so many people suggest to me basically what steampunk, and I went we're we're going for a science that doesn't exist and it doesn't exist in the film. You go for steampunk, we're we're doing something different with the age. We're changing the time period. Yeah, steampunk yeah. exists. No, we're gonna find some crystals, and I put ionized crystals in the top to light it up genius and it was it was things like that and i i I love the packs they're in storage right now but i know which one is mine which is the original is the base pack is that's the hero pack but the muskets they've been through some hell (laughs) yeah i can imagine i can imagine (laughs) tried to get them through um qatar airways was uh was fun when we (laughs) yeah like how you were able to get all that stuff to australia because they're super strict with everything yeah the fact you were able to get over that so how did that come about so we went to so after we did edinburgh edinburgh was incredible we sold out um for those who don't know you go to edinburgh fringe uh festival and the average audience is three is it really yeah it was a few years ago it might be a bit better now because people are a bit more open to it but um when we went the average audience was three people 
because wow. there are so many shows that sell to one or two and because they'll be in a crap location basically yeah. okay. but we were at a location right at the bottom of the royal mile in a wonderful little space we had a 60 seater space and we sold it out every night wow even to the point where on the wednesday where we'd completely sold out we got a phone call from the venue saying you've sold out by the way oh that was thursday morning and i said you've sold out for the rest of the run one of the biggest reviewers wants to come and see your show tomorrow can they can you fit any more in because i'm not cancelling any seats for it yeah, yeah and they went we could probably move a seat or two around and so we, and they came along and gave us five five star review Hello. Right, and rightfully, <laughs> rightfully so. Rightfully so. And we, we've, yeah. And so we did the show. We sold out. Got incredible reviews. Um, personally, I got. I love the fact that I got compared to Bill Murray for my performance. It was very I good. I love that because I took what he did and made it. I ang- anglicized it. Yeah. I oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> that is the perfect way to describe it. Watching all of you was really good. You were all. You could tell who you were portraying both actor and character but still somehow managed to make it entirely your own yeah and i'll give you i'll give you an example i don't know if you and i have had this discussion before so this might be a little bit awkward (laughs) but i know we've had the discussion of i don't i've never been able to understand everybody's crush with on sigourney weaver because she looks like my mother right i've always thought that right from childhood like oh dana looks like my mum so I never, I could never move past Dana or Zul as being looking like my mum, especially when I was a kid seeing it for the first time. And so I never got that. And to this day, people are like, oh, you know, Sigourney Weaver, just as an actor, like, no, nah, because she looks, she looks like my mum. So I never viewed Dana and then Zul, who is a hypersexual character. Like, I, I, I could never see that. Like, obviously, I know that that's what they're going for, but I just, it would hit my eyeballs and just fall on the floor. Like, I just couldn't process it as that and obviously no one else had ever played Zool before and I'm sitting in I can't remember which time it was that I saw you guys before. must have always been the first time I can't remember where that was in Norwich yeah. at, at somewhere I can't remember where and watching it and watching it and watching it and Haley becomes Zool and she portrays it in, in much the same way and I sat there and I may have even said it out loud ah oh, <laughs> I get it now and not not because I was being pervy over your to be wife yes but just because that's the first time i had ever seen someone other than an actress that looked like my mother yeah portray dana slash zool and it's just like oh, i understand i understand it now I because it i now. can i can see that side of it and now when i go back and watch ghostbusters it's i, I can see it more there's a bit more understanding. Yeah, there. yeah, there's yeah. a bit more of an understanding. It's like, I just, I needed a face that wasn't my mother's <laughs> to be able to take that in. That's the that's the beauty of it, because Hales loves the films as well. And she, and what was wonderful about it is that Hayley really wants to be, when we did the read-through, I was Egon, she was Janine, yeah. when we did the rehearsed reading. But the problem, we brought on a director, a good friend of ours called Delia Spence, um, is wonderful, brilliant director. And she came in and just in the audition, she went, she didn't see a Bankman apart from me. Because of my natural smugness. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, okay, sure. A little Murray-esque. Yeah, a little Murray-esque. I'm a little bit of a slit. I've got the sleazy grin. And I'm all I'm the okay good of that. Murray with none of the bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And but there was no one else in the auditions that we thought could play Dana, but we had options for Janine. And that was the problem. We had three or four options for Janine, but no Dana's. Haley is a strong actor. Dana's a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of heavy Shakespeare on it. 
and if anyone's going to find the comedy, it's going to be Haley. Haley is not the the same height as Sigourney Weaver. So the power that Sigourney Weaver has just through her height was lost on this five foot three, five foot four. Five foot three and a half. I think the half. I'd not considered that before. The height of Sigourney Weaver being because she can look Bateman straight in the eye. Yeah, I've not. I've not really thought about that. But you're right. But we. But because Haley is a firecracker, she brought the the actual energy that Dana didn't show, Mm. but was giving the power was then presented in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that was. What was beauty beautiful about what Haley did with the role. It was a transformative performance for this viewer. <laughs> that that scene where she's all with Bateman is one of the it has one of my favourite lines of the entire show. And it's um it's the when she's trying to mount Bateman, I want you inside me. Oh go ahead. No, I couldn't. Of course, most of our friends in the audience knew knew we were a couple. And so it, it had an extra level of humour and we thought this wouldn't land in Edinburgh, but it did something chronic and uh the line is uh well have it the mercy no 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 i couldn't it sounds like three persons inhabit thee and and two uh, two persons inhabit thee and three twould cause a bulk <laughs> and oh my word that is i swear to every that got a rapturous round of applause some night some shows the cat what is brilliant about the show is that we Slimer, the capture of Slimer, as the run went on, because we got slicker with it, the capture of Slimer got a round of applause. Everything was so well executed from e- from every single person, cast and creatures. It's just... It was... Because it, you saw the prettier version of yeah. it, where we had the LEDs inside the, the frames to make the, to make the containment unit look better and to make Slimer look better. We had the green lights in there. Uh, yeah, I feel like when I saw it, you guys, had, you were hitting all cylinders and you were all bells and whistles. We were... That's the next step, and um, that was the, we would we progressed the show to the next step, and then we were gonna the, when we do it again, because we, we're gonna do it again. We have to. Got to do it again. Got to do it again. And don't think that while planning ExoCon two and looking at different places, I've not had in my mind, and I had a discussion with somebody about a week or so ago about if I wanted to put on a stage performance here. What can you help me do? And I have been planning this thing for you. <laughs> Cheers, man. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I want to see, I want to see it again. Because yeah. it was, I saw it twice, and it was so enjoyable. But I also kind of want to be a little bit involved as well. Yeah. I was like, I want to be involved somehow this time. So it, it, that's the most bizarre thing. I mean, we going way back to the question about Adelaide. It's it's the most bizarre thing because you see that and you go, well, that year at Edinburgh we had Brexit, the musical or mm. Brexit the improv show, or Brexit the comedy, or something like that. You had all these stuff about, all these shows about Donald Trump. Yeah. and But you then also have all these improv shows about Harry Potter. For some apparent reason, these three things were the big shows that year at Edinburgh. And there we were on the Royal Mile with a sign, with our, with the, with our hand-drawn version of the logo, standing at the bottom of the Royal Mile, holding this sign up in Elizabethan gear. And from a distance, you go, that's the Ghostbusters sign. Yeah. Because it is one of the most recognisable logos on the planet, and I remember those pictures. I've seen some of those pictures from it. They're so good, and you just you stick out perfectly. Yeah. And it's great, and um, and it got such it it picked up such momentum that we were contacted by someone, a booker for the Adelaide Fringe, which is a which is a different type of arts festival. It doesn't happen. It's not from ten a.m. till one a.m. type thing. It's more of a 6 p.m. to 
11 p.m. sort of jobby, but at loads of different venues across Adelaide. But they promote it during the day, and the world is going on. It's not like Edinburgh where it gets it gets millions of people take over the the place for a month. It's it's an arts festival in the literal sense where you could go to a gallery during the day and see this very specific art thing, or it might there might be some free music going on on the the high street, and it's all very nice and it's all very quaint. But we were we went to Adelaide, um, and yeah, she just said flights. Yep, the hotel. Yep, and we'll pay you for the show. Awesome. Right. Okay, I'll go to Adelaide. Yeah, we'll go on <laughs> then. Why not? When let's take this thing international. Yeah, exactly. And that was November. That was November after doing it. In it, that was we announced it in November. Um, but we I was talking to her from September 2018 about it. So two months, and then finally getting round to do it. We didn't have to pay any registration fees. Nothing. Not like doing a festival over here. We were being bought out to go over there and do this. And do you know what? I mean, we got, there was one, we had to change it. We had to change venue. We were meant to be part of this festival within a festival sort of atmosphere. So we were meant to be at this place, the race course, and they changed our venue to a gorgeous theater, but it was a bit, a long way out of town. One reviewer came and he hated the show. And he, he only gave us two stars because of the cod pieces. And, um, but, he had tickets for the, and he actually mentioned in his review that he was already annoyed that he had to change the venue, that the venue changed because he went to the wrong spot and that show okay. cancelled that day. So he had to rebook to go and watch it another day. Everybody else loved it. I was just going to say, how did the audience react? I suppose going to Australia with something that was very British in, in humour, that's probably the best play, best country you can go to outside of the UK where they're going to get they're going to get that it. side of it. The the ironic thing is is that. I've watched, I've seen clips, and I mean this with all the love in the world to Jordan. I've seen clips of, uh, where was it? Somebody else. Was it you? Was it Eugene? Some, there was an amateur group that did Ministers, did yeah. a version of Ministers. And I watched some clips of it, and I just went, oh, you missed a beat there with that line. You don't quite get that line. <laughs> or, because Jordan, what Jordan did very, very well is he researched the UK. So how we do things downtown turned into, let's show her how we do things on the streets of Southwark. It means nothing into anybody else other than people from London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Londoners only. Everyone else like, what? what? There was references in that. He, he put in anglicised references to an American script, to a very American concept as well. Yeah. But he made it, he, he did the right thing. He didn't try and just change the language. He actually set it in Elizabethan England. So it does. So as you say, in Australia, it probably should land. Yeah. And we did. We got some great reviews and the rest of the cast got some incredible write-ups. Um, there was one reviewer who was very hot on what the ladies did because we had we had Lady Ray. She's Ooh. so good. She had the energy. She Helen is just perfect for Ray. She's just enthusiasm, in the yeah. embodiment of enthusiasm. She, she's, she's a perfect Dan Aykroyd yes. adjacent yeah. kind of... She was really good at performances, me, and she's really nice as well. Yeah, came she, out to, she came out to a convention and I met her there and had a proper chat with her. She was really nice. She's, love, she's lovely and she adores the show and she adores Ministers and she adores Ghostbusters as well. She, Perfect. She bought into it, hook, line, and sinker, and yeah, she she was just incredible and she was the perfect Ray. We we got so comfortable with the vape, uh, the Vapeman and Ray relationship, which is so, very understated mm. in the film because you forget. Because everyone associates Ray and Egon 
because they're the science minds and Bateman's the, the mouth. Yeah. But actually you forget that Bateman actually has an existing relationship with both of them in some way. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people do. Because you only really get a glimpse of it in the first movie when they're drinking yeah. at the university. Yeah. You don't see a great deal of it. Yeah, you don't you never see them do anything else kind of together. Just the two of them, yeah. But apart from when confronting Goza. Hmm. That's the only other time yeah, you yeah. actually see those two in a single frame together, really. And I love Helen, so we we kind of have a very good relationship. So we were doing our warm-ups became what's the ridiculous way we can do our opening scene together. We sang it as an opera. <laughs> there was one there was one time we were, showed up at the theatre and no one had been there all day. This was a 40-degree day, I'll give you this as well. So in 2020, Australia was on fire. In 2019, it was nearly on fire. Um, <laughs> we went and they hadn't... They, they, they let us in and they went, oh, you're going to have to turn on the aircon. And it had such a high ceiling that the heat just wasn't going anywhere. And the lights were in a preset state and we didn't... And they, so they were locked there was a ch- serious chance that we were going to have to go on stage with basically really light, soft spotlights. So we were jokingly going on stage with filming, losing our torches on our phones. <laughs> and we sat there and went, I'm going to record this so we can then do a really weird POV style kind of show yeah. for the rest of it. And we started, we faffed around with it. We've eventually got the, the lights working, but that was, that was an interesting show because I was sweating buckets. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I don't even remember, I come off stage twice. Hmm. Of an 80-minute show, I leave the stage twice for long, for no longer than a, a quick drink. Very short period, yeah. yeah. And it was always it was the always Lewis Tully and Dana. That yeah. was the only time I was never on stage was when those two were on stage together. And and even then we did the advert. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And it's it, it's weird. It's so I like I say, I adore Ministers of Grace. I think it's a stupid show. <laughs> in stupidly nice... amazing. Stupidly amazing. Stupidly amazing. I would love to. If Jordan's not going to write it, we'll write it. We'll do. We'll do two, and I will double header that. Oh, it's sort of like okay, that is that's going to be two eighty-minute shows, but I would double header that in a heartbeat. And you can you can buy one if you just want to see one. You can buy two if you want to do two. But you know, it's just getting the right person to do Vigo because Vigo suits you don't actually have to change any of his dialogue no yeah he's yeah he's good as is and that's and you that's what they did with gozer in in jordan didn't bother changing any of the the lines of gozer yeah apart from are you a god turned into thou art thou a god that's simple change but everything else was language it's just of the era it just fits just fits and vigo would work and as i say Everyone will want to play Janos or Egon in that. But I'd, I'll, I'll, I'll return as Bateman. I'll do it. I'll take that bullet. If I have to. If I have to. Go on, then. I will do Bateman in, in two. You know, I'll be the sap. You are a true hero, sir. <laughs> a true hero. I'd say that the thing I love about the Ministers as well is that it's one of the only things that the community as a whole would just like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Because the community can be very polarising on things, <laughs> to say the least. And I feel Ministers was one of those things that just sort of everyone was like, huh, now that's cool. Like that's, and EctoCon was, a, I think, a real a good example of that because so many people I spoke to, and I mean, I, I tried to speak to as many people oh, as yeah, possible throughout the day, were, but I was, you were busy, man. You were I was busy. running around, but almost everyone, I was like, you're having a good time. Like, yeah, I met the Ministers guys. And I was like, that's cool because I know those two and they're good friends of mine. And it's cool that to see you guys getting so much attention it was it's the most bizarre thing is 
let's say the, the Merseyside guys really want us to do that and Des Des wants us of, of the Ghostbusters of Scotland. Yeah. He was that he were he recognised us instantly and and gave us a shout out and even read a bit of the script on stage. My script that's now been signed by Jennifer Runyon, you know. Awesome. Who wants to be in Who wants to do that scene? I'm I mean, I will be Vakeman for Jennifer Runyon. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, go on then. I go on then. I'll I'll do yeah, that it. Was, it was awesome how exciting. <laughs> and I spoke to her after the event about that as well. And she said, and I really like the idea of, of doing that scene. So I'll gladly, like, you tell me where they're going to do it and I will come out and do that scene. I was like, this is great. And she was gushing about Haley as well. Oh, yeah. they. I, I had to go, I had to disappear and get some cash out, I think, at some point. And they got they, on famously. They got on very, very, she gave her a massive hug. Yeah. And I even got the credit to the photographer you had at EctoCon because, um, I got two pictures yeah. for the price of one because they took one and then I posed and then someone handed a card, one of the Vaten's, um cards. Oh, yeah, there's a card, yeah. And, uh, and, Jen- and Jennifer just said, no, you're not charging him for that one. And I got two. She was amazing. I mean, she she is amazing, but she was even more amazing at ExoCon. And yeah, to hear, they say, the day after, for her to just bring that up completely unprompted in conversation, like, even Jennifer loves ministers. Like, it's just one, it's, one, it's really nice to see because you're... Everyone involved was so nice. The people I got to meet were all so good. They're so passionate about Ghostbusters. And it just, the community as a whole, like, yeah, we like this. But then the creators of Ghostbusters and the people involved with it, because we know that Dan did the foreword yeah. for the book. Yeah. So Dan loves it. I mean, now, you know, Jennifer Runyon loves it. It's just, it's just pure, I think. Yeah. Just, it was just something pure that everyone could be like, oh, this is. This is Ghostbusters. Like it feels like Ghostbusters because it is Ghostbusters, but just it feels like it. And that's what people want want when they go to see something with Ghostbusters. I mean, my friends who aren't theatre people, um, they came to see it, and they they're not massive Ghostbusters fans either, but they they like the film. But they came along and they watched it and she went. And I've never seen my my best mate, who's my best man, I've never seen him smile that much at something that I've done. And we did gigs together for that's crying awesome. out loud, <laughs> and we were sat in the pub afterwards. That when you came, yeah, yeah. we were sat that awkward thing where I was sat in the middle of two, two tables going, are you guys <laughs> doing okay? How are you guys doing? And it was weird, but he was sat just beaming, kind of going, mate, I had no idea that you guys could do that type mm. of thing. And that was really good fun. I knew exactly what was going on because, and you don't need to understand the language. Yeah. You just need to, you will hear, if you're a big enough fan, you will know the script inside out. And that's the thing. I now watch the film and translate it. And I, I very much went into it as like, I know Ghostbusters, but I do not know Shakespeare beyond what we were forced to study yeah. at school. It's like, I don't know. But you know enough to to get it. And I think that's the cool thing about Ministers is you, you don't need to have a deep knowledge of either. Obviously, if you do, it enhances certain yeah. elements of your enjoyment of it. But you can be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Ghostbusters on TV, but I'm not like a super fan and Oh, I know a little bit about Shakespeare. And you can go and watch this thing. You can have a really good time. Yeah. If you know a lot about Shakespeare, you can go and watch this. Have a really good time. If you know something about Ghostbusters, have a really good time. If you know something about both, I assume you can just be blown away by this performance. <laughs> well, because everybody knows the Stay Puft, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and they know Slimer. And you said, how are you going to do that? Yeah. And that would, like, I came, because I, originally I wanted to come to Edinburgh and yeah. see it in French, but I couldn't, I don't remember why, but I couldn't get there. And but you and I had been talking and talking. We'd met at the convention. We'd been talking online. It's like he's just a really nice guy. I don't know if this is going to be very good. <laughs> but I love the enthusiasm. I love the props that I've seen. 
so I've got to go and see this thing. Yeah. And it was very much, I hadn't, after seeing it that first time, I hadn't planned to come over and speak to you at the end of it. It was, it was like, I've got to go and speak to these people and just talk about how enjoyable this is. Because yeah. it was a genuine laugh out loud <laughs> and at the same time genuine in awe of what you're what it was like watching ghostbusters you've gone from being in awe to laughing to like it just it was amazing every aspect of it was so good and to see you guys get so much love because of it i'm, I'm proud i had nothing to do with it <laughs> i had nothing to do with it and i feel proud of what you guys did with it I, yeah i i'm incredibly proud of it as a as a project and i just know that it'd be just a little bit a little bit of cash it's all yeah. we need to to put the show together to be able to maybe then pitch it to theaters and get a tour funded that's that's kind of things get a sponsor to do this and i would i would happily tour this and i know it would maybe it wouldn't be one of these shows that you do five nights at this theater in this area of the country the five nights here it's a one one or two night max yeah, yeah. thing in nice theaters dotted around because you go to a 300 seater in in norwich and you'll sell it out for a day a well cultivated run would do huge numbers yeah. guaranteed oh you could do so many you could do central london and all the surrounding areas and that would sell you know it would because you you've got so many groups and so many people sort of go hang on what ghostbusters Shakespeare Ghostbusters. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've got, I've, I'm going to check this out. And then you get the curious fans, and you get the die-hard fans of, of Shakespeare, who'll probably find the language a little bit hokey in bits. Yeah. But that's what you get with because I, this is this is me defending Jordan. It's not a criticism of him. He's not Shakespeare. Hmm. There's a reason who, who is yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, who is. And so if you have to improvise and write your own text. You're not going to write it in the right way. Hmm. I know plenty of people that just think Shakespearean language is just adding F on the end. Yeah, yeah, so, just add H to every <laughs> single word and you're speaking Shakespearean. And so to do that and to do something that still made sense to the story and you could still see the bits and bobs. Like I say, I, I would want, if I did that as a two hour show, oh yeah, easy. And it means we can take our time with some of the language and enjoy it a little bit more rather than the fast paced sort of the, the fringe show style that we did. Or, we do it as a fringe show style. Did Jordan get to see? Did you get Jordan to see was you there in Edinburgh. He did. Yeah. What did he think of it? He loved it. Yeah. Um, he he sat at the back. He sat at the front. He 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 came to see it. I think he saw it for the first four days, and then when he heard the Friday was sold out, he kind of went, "I'll give up my seat, and I'll just go and have a nice time." What a gentleman. <laughs> and and um, yeah, he he was a top guy, and he just absolutely he because it was his. At the end of the day, it's it, the book is his baby. Mm. And he's done other. He's done another book since. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, Shakespearean. And he's just a really good artist as and well. He's a great artist. His silhouettes are wonderful. Yeah. And um, seriously, silhouettes by Jordan. <laughs> Check him out. That patch because I did. I say I say I had nothing to do with the production. I suppose I helped. I helped a little bit. You did. Selling patches and stickers. That patch sold quicker than anything else in my store has ever sold. That patch disappeared. And to this day, I still get people saying, can we get, can we get another run? It's like, it's, it's not my design. Yeah. Go and speak to Jordan. He'll sort you out of the patch. It's not my patch. I didn't design it. I was just a money man in that situation. Yeah. I, had, I had no involvement in anything. I was just, I took money from here and I put it over here. It was the generosity. That, that's the thing is that me and you spoke and you said about doing the patches. So do the patches as long as, you know, costs are covered. Mm. You didn't do it at a loss. And it was to help raise money for our show. Our pins. I lived around the corner from this guy who happens to run a pin making. Yeah, I remember business. you saying about that. And 
it was just literally we were at number 11 and he was at number four on the same road and we worked together and he sat there and went well you know i really like the idea of what can i do to help and it's got it's ghostbusters right so if it's all right can i do the logo on a pin and he sent me designs to make sure i approved of it and it was all the proper process and he just went all i need is operating costs so we paid him the money we paid him out of our it's pocket. It's a really nice pin as well. It's a great quality pin. Really nice. And and obviously we couldn't do much in the way of merch, but we did do the t-shirts with Jordan's permission. Mm. But that was to recoup costs because Ember yeah. isn't cheap. And he was so good. He's so good about all of this. I mean, obviously, so it was a non it was a non profit thing. You were doing it. Yeah. But so many people in his position, I think, would have said no. No, you're not you're not doing that but i think he understood i'm taking something that belongs to somebody else and i'm making it my own yeah you're just doing exactly what he what he did he's so cool about it and even just recently speaking to him and saying is it cool if i use the logo and like i feel like i probably wouldn't have needed to ask him at this point yeah i was like i'm just gonna drive him. i just want to use the logo to promote this i know it's your logo but i think in this country in the uk people associate that logo predominantly with you yeah I was like, I'm going to use yeah. that because I could use a picture of you. And I, I feel like some people would be like, who's this guy? But if I say I'm interviewing the Minister of Grace, people go, oh, hey, James. Yeah, I know. I know that. So I went to him. He's like, yeah, of course. And and say hi to James. I hope James is doing well. It's, like, it's just it's so every every I feel like every aspect of this was just so positive. It is. And it's it's the thing of every year whenever something comes up about it. So the rehearsed, re- the anniversary of the rehearsed reading came up recently and I shared it on Facebook going, my God, how is this? What now? five years ago ago, five years ago we were doing the rehearsed reading and then we followed that up with edinburgh four years ago and but every year there'll be a picture a new picture from edinburgh that's it go actually i'm going to reshare that yeah and i'll share it and i'll always tag jordan as a thank you and i'll always say thank you so much to it because i don't need to i don't need to thank ghost corpse and sony for for giving for and dan Aykroyd and harold ramis to do that i thank them every yeah you know what i mean yeah it's jordan gave us this yeah jordan did the hard did the hard work of of converting this book yeah or this this screenplay into a book and we and we just faffed around with it we played we played played with what he created it's it's amazing because we use silhouette puppets for the for some of it the pterodogs I'm very proud of the Pterodox masks because the, 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 the silhouette of it, because that was... It's just very clever. Yeah. It was just, that was that was the thing that stuck out to me with a lot of it. It's like, how are they going to do that? Because that's not going to be easy to do for a stage. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, yeah, the silhouette, that's really clever. The giant stave I've had, that's genius. <laughs> like, you give you give people just enough. Yeah. So they go, I know what that is. And their brain does the rest. Power of suggestion is a wonderful thing. But the original Slimer for the rehearsed reading wasn't the silhouette it wasn't a redrawing of of the face of uh, face on mm. it was a outline of the builder bear slimer really yeah wow okay and cool. it was just something rough because we i just didn't have the time to, to i'm not very artistic so i i kind of just did a rough outline and cut it yeah yeah and then we did this fun thing and what we were doing and there was the suggestion to the guy who was playing winston uh playing slimer slash winston because he multi-rolled but I told him in between when he was running in between the panels to do the Slimer real Ghostbuster noise. That kind of yeah, yeah. Doing Frank that. Welker. Welker. Um, Side note: I watched Anaconda last night. I'll admit it. I watched Anaconda. I did not know Frank Welker was the voice of the Anaconda. <laughs> I did not know that either. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yep. 
also very weird because he's because well. on on amazon is that's why i was looking to watch it he's the first credit because there are so many anaconda films like i want to make sure there's the right one it's like frank welker like no that's no i want ice cube and jennifer lopez like no no frank welker voice of anaconda like that's a, they're, they're amazing that they like sorry to cut you off no, but just, just that was worry. last night it was like frank because welker was, race dance let's say watching watching gremlins earlier he's credited as additional voices he is i with, think i think frank welker is like the most the most well-paid actor or something it, on the, the on every, the planet if you do the sum total of every film that he's credited in appearing he's he's definitely in the top three yeah but he's the the films that frank welker has appeared in as a voice totals insane amounts of money probably would solve a lot of crises in this in yeah. <laughs> race, money. real ghostbusters race dance could solve the world's problems but you know and there's that lovely video that came out recently of him doing the voice and they were doing a side there's a yeah. side uh clipping clip where they you show it see him doing the voice of slimer next to the what he was doing at uh, what slimer was doing in the animation and i said to go this guy's in, this just incredible how do we get him to do the voice of Slimer for the next minister's performance? Did you imagine? Because we would do that as a full puppet if we could. Yeah. If you could we get just, Frank Welker to record the I dialogue would do a full for it. puppet and do a full puppet rather than just have someone standing on stage doing the, in life, I was Sir John Belushi called. That would be Although we, did, we do like the fact that Slimer's voice is kind of like pseudo uh, Brian Blessed. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of big, in life. and Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, but yeah... I, there's there's things that that Jordan included. Now you've seen the book. Just before Stay Puffed appears, or the Puffed Man of Custard. Yeah. In the book, there is an entire recipe for English custard. There is, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Just the length that, and there's illustrations in there. Some of which are taken from, um, like ancient scriptures and things like that. But then there's a lot of images that are Jordan's own. The picture of Slimer on the back is is his own, and he's just. I I've got a lot of time, a lot of love for Jordan. So if you haven't if you haven't already, the book is is still available. Yeah. I mean, I years ago now, but I got one. But you can get it on Amazon. The Ministers of Grace, the Shakespearean parody of Ghostbusters, foreword by Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. written by Jordan Monsell, and the art by Jordan Monsell. Superb. We are, thank you for this episode. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you to Jordan for this episode. You've been a huge a huge part of this, and we will definitely. I'm getting. I spoke to him the other day. We're getting Jordan on in the future because I want to hear. I want to hear his side of what you guys did. But yeah. I also want to hear how, why, when, what he did to, to turn Ghostbusters into a Shakespearean book because I need to hear that direct from the artist's mouth. Did he just pluck it from somewhere? Yeah. I, just, I, I mean, like I say, he did Pulp Fiction before and he's done Wizard of Oz now. There's there's no correlation Where did you get them. this idea from initially and then how did you land on these things and tell me about Ghostbusters? Yeah, and tell us more about your art. Yeah. Because he does some incredible ghost. Uh, it's his actual artwork with the ghosts incredible superb artist great stuff. love to jordan We're, this is just gushing over jordan yeah. now <laughs> yeah. this is a good place to cap this interview just a huge love to jordan myself for his awesome work dude it's been so much fun mate you and i have fun anyway talking just in life but just in general i say like i said at the beginning in an official capacity it's been fun thank you so much for coming on the show man absolute pleasure buddy absolute pleasure Huge, huge thank you to my dude James for coming on the show. So much fun to sit and talk Ghostbusters with you, as it always is, but so much fun to finally do it with microphones in front of us rather than just shooting Ghostbusters noise into the breeze. If you want to keep up with James online, you can do so. Ministersofgrace.theatre or James Ducker, actor underscore between each word. Also, don't forget to check out 
the man who made this all possible, Mr. Jordan Monsell. You can check him out on Instagram, jmonsell. That's M-O-N-S-E-L-L. His book, Ministers of Grace, the unauthorized Shakespearean parody of Ghostbusters, is available now on Amazon. Much love to everybody who tuned into this episode. And as always, remember, this is a community show. So if you are listening to this thing right now, you're part of a Ghostbusters franchise. If you're an artist, you're a creative, you're about to release a Ghostbusters fan film, a comic book, you've got a store, you're going to release some merchandise and you want it promoted, reach out to me. I want to hear about it. Info at ectocrank.com. Send me all the information and we'll talk about it right here on the show. This is a community-focused show. This show doesn't work unless the community contributes. So if you've got something going on in the world of Ghostbusters, I want to hear about it. I want to talk about it. I want to shout about it. And more importantly, I just want to know about it so that I can get involved and, and be a part of whatever it is or get hold or get a copy of whatever it is you're doing. I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost, so it might sound selfish, but I want that stuff for me. I want to know about that stuff so I can enjoy it, but also so we can talk about it here on the show. So hit me up. Any Ghostbusters information you might have, whether you are a fan or a franchise, info at ectocrank.com. If you want to catch up with me online, you can find me on Instagram at ectocrank. You can keep up with the podcast on Instagram at Print is Dead Podcast. You can check out my store on Instagram at The Crank Cave. You'll find all that information and more over my website, crankcave.com. Don't forget, call the Ghostbusters issue one absolutely free, crankcave.com forward slash call the GBs. Don't sleep on that one. It's a good, good read. That's about all I got for you on this month's episode. Much love for tuning in. This has been Print is Dead, a Ghostbusters podcast. I've been your host, Ecto Crank. And until next time, I will see you on the other side. Well, that wasn't such a chore, now, was it?